How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to the Young Wealth Podcast. If you're new here, I'm your host, Ethan Lang. Before we get into today's episode, hit that follow button or subscribe button, dependent on which platform you're listening to this on. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, consider leaving a five-star rating and review. Thank you all so much for tuning into today's episode. Let's bring on our guest and dive straight in. I hope you all enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of the Young Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Lang, and today's guest is a mover and shaker in the personal finance community. She is exceptional at teaching people how to pay off debt and budget. Please help me in welcoming Allison Baggerly. Oh, thank you so much, Ethan. I'm excited to be here. Yes, I'm really excited to talk because a lot of my previous guests have been talking about investing and that side, mm-hmm. and I think that we really miss the point sometimes when we forget to start with the budgeting to be able to have that money to invest. But a lot of people, when they hear the word budgeting, and even me sometimes, it's kind of like a cringy subject. Don't like to hear it necessarily. But you think about a budget um, in a different way than most people do. Could you explain that um, to our listeners? Absolutely. So I think of the budget as the foundation to be able to do all the other things like investing, like saving money, like being able to spend money on what you want. So to me, the foundation, the budget is the foundation. And in the past, I used to see it as this thing that could controlled me, that told me what to do. But I had to change the way I looked at a budget and realize that, hey, I'm the one in control. No matter what my budget look, looks like, I'm the one that gets to choose where the money goes and and what happens with it. And so it's essentially a spending plan, right? Where do you want to spend your money? What's important to you? So that way you can focus on spending money there, cutting back on the rest so that you can meet your money goals, whether your money goals are to save for a wonderful vacation, save for a down payment for a home, pay off debt, invest and retire early. All of it starts with your spending plan or your budget. Yeah, because it's really about what are the things that you value. And mm-hmm. and that's what I really liked when I was kind of looking at your page and doing some of the prep for this episode was you talked a lot just about, you know, what are the things that you value? And that's what you should be focusing mm-hmm. on. Normally, when people hear a budget, they think like I'm depriving myself. I'm yes, I have to spend less money on all these areas. But then there's also people on the other side of the coin. When I started, I was super frugal to the point like mm-hmm. where it was almost detrimental And I think one of the benefits for me by having a budget is I pick the areas I want to spend more in as well and almost Mm -hmm. force myself a little bit to spend in those areas because I know those are the areas that I derive a lot of value from. So yeah, you're 100% right. It's really just finding about, you know, the places where you value money and spending on those areas. How do people kind of find those areas? I think, you know, right now in a world, whenever you haven't been managing your money, it's hard to pinpoint them down. It's hard to say because really society is telling us that everything is equally important when it comes to spending money and, or that certain things are important, but we might be just spending money, not really aware of what's important to us. And that's where I found myself. I thought I knew what I wanted to spend money on 10 years ago and it was almost everything. And then finally I was like, wait a minute, I had to step back and say, is this really where I find value? So it takes a lot of almost like (laughs) trial and error, right? Mm -hmm. Spending money on things and saying like, was that really worth it? Is that really what I want in my life? And then also a lot of reflecting. For me, I think that, you know, I've been doing this for a while now, it's also okay for those areas to change. So years ago, I had young kids and travel wasn't 
a value to me. I didn't want to travel a lot. It gave me a lot of stress and anxiety with little kids. And so for me, I valued spending money on things inside my home. And now that my kids are older, I value spending money on travel. And so I've given myself permission to let those values change. But it really looks at it, it, it comes down to taking time to really think about what brings you joy, not what is the world tells me should bring me joy and not thinking about what other people are saying should bring you joy and instead being able to say for yourself what brings you joy. And that takes practice and patience and getting it wrong until you get it right. Yeah, because it's so easy to go about thinking about the American dream. You know, you want uh-huh. want the bigger house and the and the nicer car and the newer car, you know? And it's yeah. so easy to fall into that. And, you know, for some people a new car doesn't bring them any value, but they think it's going to because right. that's what, you know, the American dream is and what everyone thinks they need. But in reality, it could be, you know, just eating out a few more times a month could be important for someone. Or like you said, vacationing. And that does change. Mm-hmm. And if you notice that it's changed, you've been able to realize those changes from budgeting? Yes, I think that, you know, budgeting is the foundation and it's basically you being in control of your money, you knowing, you facing your money truth, owning your truth and deciding what next steps you're going to take. And whenever you whenever you know your money truth, what comes from that is is clarity clarity in what you want to spend your money on and understanding the emotions that come whenever you do feel strapped for money or you are able to save and and what that brings to you, the emotions that it brings to you. And so I think that a budget allows you, it's almost like the first step in allowing you to Mm -hmm. have clarity when it comes to your money, your money goals, what you want to spend money on and what you're willing to sacrifice because I don't spend money on everything, right? Like there's no way I, I don't, there are areas in our life where we don't spend money, but we choose to do that because ultimately it's not as important as spending money in other areas. So in a world that tells us that everything is equally important, we have to say, no, what is it that's more, most important to me and my family? And it's okay if that looks different from someone else. For sure. And one of the things I want to go back to that you said, you said knowing your truth and owning your truth. Mm-hmm. And I know for a lot of people, when they first think about you know starting a budget, one of the things that scares them is that they're going to look at their financial picture and be like, oh, it's a lot worse than I thought it was. Um, what would you mm-hmm. say to someone that's kind of in that situation? I think I think that it's honestly totally normal to have that fear. And really, where does the fear stem from? The, steer, the fear stems from the unknown. Uh, you know, we don't talk about money. Money was so taboo for many of us. I know that the generation I grew up in, you didn't talk about money. Your parents didn't know what, what was going on with money. They were trying to learn about it themselves. So how can they teach us? So really, the fear is of the unknown because we don't feel equipped with enough knowledge for what to do if it is the worst that we've ever seen, right? So I'll re- I will never forget sitting down and totaling up our debt and looking at it and feeling that feeling of, oh my gosh, is this, number one, is this bad? Is this normal? And then number two, when I realized it is, and it was bad and it wasn't necessarily normal, realizing 
how did I get here? And it's easy in those moments when you're sitting there looking at your money truth and you're wondering how I got here, how did I get here? It's easy to fall into guilt and shame and to say, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I, you know, I'm, I'm so stupid. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm so dumb. I'm, I'm done with money. But instead, in those moments when I did want to fall into guilt and shame, what I say instead is no, we can't, we can't lead with shame and guilt. Instead, we have to say, you know what? I didn't know what I didn't know. And I can't get onto myself when I didn't have the knowledge and I wasn't equipped to make those decisions. So now I am. So now what can I do to equip myself with the knowledge to move forward and make changes in my life? And that looks like figuring out what your budget is, figuring out how much debt you want to pay off, finding a system that works for you, learning about investing. So it just starts there. And I would say that it's okay to feel that way, but don't sit in those feelings. Feel them for a moment and then say, okay, this is no longer going to help me move forward. So set them aside and say, what's the next thing I can do to move forward in my money? Exactly. Because those feelings are there partially yeah. for a reason. You should yeah. have those feelings when you have a lot of debt. That should scare you a little bit. Right. Enough to motivate you to then begin starting that budget and paying it off, but not too much to where it paralyzes you. Um, exactly. One of the things I wanted to talk about before we get into like the budgeting process is we've talked about, you know, people being scared to to start the budget. But what has the experience been like for you now that you've been budgeting for 10 years? Mm-hmm. Can you explain that to people and show them like how your life has been bettered because of it? Of course. I mean, you know, and I, and I work with a lot of women who feel very lost and confused with their money and they're always scared to get started with budgeting. And the truth is it's not as hard as the world makes it seem. It's not as hard as you're making it seem because it's just new and it's just different and that's okay. New and different can be scary, but the benefits of budgeting for me personally have given me a lot of peace and control over my money. As someone who struggles with anxiety, I had a lot of money anxiety, but I didn't want to deal with it because I had anxiety about what happens if I deal with it and I don't know what I'm doing. So it was it was ridiculous. But once I actually sat down and worked on my budget and, you know, didn't give up along the way because there's going to be months when it's just a total mess and a wreck. And there's going to be months where you feel like you're doing well. The more I budgeted, the more comfort, the more security, the more peace of mind I had over my money. And the more I saw that, oh my gosh, I can do amazing things with my money. Even though I don't make a ton of money, my husband and I were two teachers, even though we didn't make a lot of money and we had kids in daycare, we still had the ability to make changes in our life with our extra money. And we were only able to do that because we sat down to budget. And I think in the beginning, like you said, you guys both had low incomes at the time Mm -hmm. and you were still able to put money towards those future goals, paying off debt, investing, that thing. And that's why it's super important to start doing that when you're young, because then when your income does increase, then you can even put more money aside and also really know, okay, now my income's increased. This is where that money's going to go. Instead of right when your income increases, mm-hmm. your lifestyle automatically increases and you get nowhere with it. So Exactly. And and on that note, I want to say that, you know, lifestyle creep is a real thing. As your income mm-hmm. increases, we increase our lifestyle. And I think that's okay to an extent. Uh, you know, we, my husband and I make more money than we did whenever we were both teachers and when we were paying off that debt. And really spending that time learning how to budget and learning how to spend our money allowed us to know 
really what our values are. Mm-hmm. And so as our income has increased, yes, we are able to send more money to our goals, but we have increased our lifestyle some. We do look at, okay, what is it that really brings value to our life that we're willing to spend on now that we do make more money? And that's okay as well. It's not this all or nothing approach. Mm-hmm. You don't have to live a life of complete deprivation with a budget. Yep. So how did you find that balance? Because I know for me in the beginning, like I said, like I was super frugal and it was super depriving for me. And every time I was like, I just got to invest more money so I can, you know, have this future and have financial freedom and all this stuff. I got on that craze, you know, but Mm -hmm. one of the things I forgot about was, you know, I'm 20. Like this is the time where I should also be so young. (laughs) These are. Yeah. And it's great for investing purposes, but it's also like these are the times where I should be enjoying as well. So how did you find that balance between Mm -hmm. enjoying the present but also, you know, making some sacrifices and preparing yourself for a solid future? I think that it's, that's a great question. I think that's a a struggle that many people have because they think that once they make a decision, it has to be that decision forever. Mm -hmm. Once I say, okay, I have, I have an extra $1,000 a month, right? Let's just easy numbers, an extra $1,000 a month. Do I invest $1,000? Do I invest $900 and, and enjoy $100? It's easy to think that people have to keep it you know, the exact same Mm -hmm. for the rest of their life. But it's not. Money is very fluid. You can change. You can invest $1,000 one month and $900 the next month and $800 the third month and $1,000 the fourth month. I think that the balance comes from making sure that you are not depriving yourself so much that you said that you're, you're not enjoying your life. So the question comes to what is it that you enjoy? How much Mm -hmm. does that cost? Because once you know how much what you enjoy costs, you can make that decision. So for me, what I enjoyed whenever I was in, you know, 24 years old. So I was, how old are you now, Ethan? I'm 20. You're 20. Okay. So I got married, had a baby at 24 years old. So imagine four years from now, you're married with a baby. It's scary, scary. My joy in that season of life literally looked like me being able to leave the house for an hour and walk in Target in peace and put my (laughs) headphones in and listen to music, drink a latte and buy one thing. That was my joy. And so I would budget, you know, 20 or $30 a month for me to just do that. And I would buy one small thing, maybe once a week, or maybe I just walk around with my latte. It was almost just this escape. Once I was able to identify what that joy was, now I know how I can find balance with my budget. So that, that it's not, that's no longer what I enjoy. That's not my life Mm -hmm. anymore. I don't, I don't do that anymore, but you know, for me now it's, it's camping with my family and taking little trips, little mini vacations. And so how can I set aside money, you know, a couple hundred dollars a month to make that happen? It's so there's a fluid fluidity, I guess. And I don't know if that's a word for, I just made that up and, and a balance And it's okay if it changes over time. But I think definitely complete deprivation can lead to burnout. And that's when people usually give up. Exactly. And it's very interesting because you talked about the things that you can enjoy and value don't necessarily have to be super expensive either. Um, I was about to bring up camping as well. I love to go camping. You do? Exactly, yes. And spending $20 for a campsite for two nights Mm -hmm. and driving 45 minutes to go camping 
isn't that expensive of a trip, but it brings yeah. me so much value. And mm-hmm. and one person might think they need to take a huge trip, fly somewhere, do all these things, and it costs them a few grand when in reality, instead, they could be going out every weekend doing something that doesn't cost as much, but yes. brings them more value. So I think at this point, a lot of people probably see the benefit um, of budgeting. So let's get into the process. Can you explain okay. kind of what the process of budgeting looks like for people? Exactly. I mean, first off, you need to know how often you're paid. And so mm-hmm. I tell people to budget per paycheck. So whether you're paid biweekly, weekly, I say budget per paycheck. So for our family, that's every two weeks, twice a month, essentially, we write a budget. And we know we write it, we list out our income, how much money do we have, and then literally all of our expenses. And that includes any bills that are coming out, um, anything like groceries, restaurants, it includes our savings, it includes investments, it includes, you know, whenever we have babysitters, we have a babysitter come every Monday night, we have a housekeeper come every other week. So we literally list out everything. And your goal, right, is to have money left over. Mm-hmm. If you don't have money left over, and this has happened at times, we don't have money left over, we go back into our budget and we say, okay, what do we need to change? What do we need to cut down on? What are the things that don't matter the most to us that we can cut back on so that we can make sure we have enough money to cover all of these expenses and savings and investments? And that's exactly what we do. So you're going to have people, if you're first starting out, it might feel overwhelming because you might be sitting here thinking, I don't know what I spend money on. I, I have no idea. And what I recommend is going into your bank account, print your statement, and just look. Look at the patterns. How much money are you spending on restaurants? Where are you spending money elsewhere? Give yourself a spending allowance because you are an adult and you deserve one. And mm-hmm. and it's okay to spend money. Spending money isn't bad. And so as long as we're making sure that that number is not negative, then there's your budget. And of course, once you have it all laid out, you can look at it and say, you know what? I'm not sending as much money to savings as I want. So we look at our other expenses and we say, what are, can I cut back $100 somewhere so I can send an extra hundred dollars to savings. And so I do it. I'm a paper and pencil person. I do it all in paper and pencil. I erase, I'm, I mark or I, you know, use white out because I'm a very visual person. It helps uh-huh. me to physically see it. And it almost like stays in my brain better that way. Do you think that by doing it on pencil or um, paper and pencil, do you think by doing that, it's easier to change areas of your budget? Because I think when you have it like in this big printed out paper or it's on an Excel sheet, like it's hard to not like you just want to keep it the same. But I feel like um, paper and pencil, you know, you'd be able to change it each month as you do your budget. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we we write a new budget every two weeks and sometimes we get off track with our budget. And Mm -hmm. for instance, you know, my husband right now is at the at the discount tire and I need four new tires in my car. So I'm like, okay, sitting here thinking, okay, we have money and savings for that. But that means that the next paycheck, we're going to need to be refilling that savings because I have it at a, you know, I want it at this certain number. But the good thing about these things is when you have these emergency or unexpected expenses come up, for me, I literally go back to the budget and I will write a whole new budget in paper and pencil and say, okay, we have 
10 days until payday. Here's mm -hmm. how much money we have in our account. Let me refocus this. Let me rewrite this. So that way I feel in control because, you know, we did have a couple of extra unexpected expenses come up in the past few days and now our budget feels thrown off. And so in the past, I used to just give up and say, oh, the budget's messed up. We'll start over next month. And then I would spend mm -hmm. like crazy. Now I say, no, we're going to create a mini budget from today until the next day we're paid so that we can stay on track. And when you're you know, and, and some people, apps work for them. Excel works for them. Whatever works for you. I think it's about finding what works for you, something you can stick to consistently and see progress with. And for me, it's never been an app, ever. Yeah. I've tried them. I've tried them. I've been like, oh my gosh, Allison, you're so old. You're using paper and pencil. And I've tried apps. And I'm like, nope, you know what? This grandma's just gonna, we're gonna use, <laughs> we're gonna do what works. Why, why yeah. stop doing what works? And so for me, it's not about making everybody do it my way. It's about helping everybody find a way that works for them that they can implement not just this month or this year, but forever. Yeah, and one interesting thing that you've talked about that I've actually never heard before is people budgeting based on pay periods. Mm -hmm. I always hear like the monthly budget, but yeah. I've never heard someone budget every two weeks or based on when they get paid, which I think is actually probably the way you should do it. Just yeah, because I that's when so the too. money's coming in. So that's when you should, you know, have the the outlook for that. But exactly. I have a, I have a couple questions. So first, what do you do, you know, with like you need four new tires. Like, how can you begin to prepare for those expenses? Because mm. you don't know when they're going to come, but you know they right. are going to come. So how do you begin to prepare for those expenses? Okay, so I love having sinking funds. So sinking funds is basically, you know, you're saving for things that I break it down into three things. Number one, something that might happen, like I need four new tires, right? That might mm -hmm. happen. We know it might happen. Something that you know will happen, like I have to buy Christmas gifts for my kids. I know that's yep. going to happen. Let me save in advance. And something that you want to happen, like I want to take a vacation and I want to be able to, you know, go on vacation next summer and spend this much money. So we do have money in sinking funds. We set aside $50 a month in car maintenance. So obviously four new tires, I haven't heard back from my husband how much it's going to cost. I don't know how much tires run. I'm thinking what, like $800, $1,000? I have no idea. We don't have $1,000 in our car maintenance fund. Yeah. We probably have like 150. That 150 will help take some of the edge off. But ultimately, we have an emergency fund for this type of situation because this is, it's not necessarily an emergency, but mm -hmm. it needs to be handled. This is what we have money saved for. And we use that money to, we'll cover the rest of the costs of this. So yeah. essentially, he has a credit card. He'll put it on the credit card. When he gets home, we'll transfer the money from savings to checking and pay off the credit card immediately. And I think that it can be really easy to get off track with your budget when you do have these unexpected expenses. But having some sort of sinking funds set up allows you to absorb some of the cost or completely cover the cost. Yep. So sometimes we have a car expense that's $200 and we have enough money in our sinking fund to cover it and it's not a big deal. And it's just like, okay, great. That's what this is here for. And it, it you know, we started doing that whenever we were working to pay off debt. And actually I became very frustrated because we did have unexpected car expense. And I thought, why are we even doing this budget? What this mm -hmm. is, you know, life is just gonna happen. Why even bother? And I think that that's a very common reaction. 
But instead of thinking like that, I thought, okay, well, I know it's going to happen. I don't know when, but I know it is. So what can I put in place so that way when this happens, I don't have the anxiety or the anger or the frustration that I've just felt. And that's when we started our car maintenance sinking fund. You can't make sure and know when each expense is going to come. Like right. you can't, you can't plan that out. You're not like, okay, I'm going to mm-hmm. need new tires at this point or yeah. m- my engine's going to go out at this point. Uh, I'm going to exactly. need a new car. Like you're not going to know exactly when those things happen. But like you said, you're able to kind of ease that process and make it mm-hmm. to where instead of having a thousand dollars that was going to go towards debt, now it's coming out of a sinking fund or part of your emergency fund. And then over the next two or three months, you're working at putting that savings back into your emergency fund or back exactly. into that sinking car fund, just so you don't have to take it right out of your cash flow each time, or even worse, you know, putting it on a credit card and not being able right. to pay it off. So right. looking on the other end, then what would you say for people whose income is variable? You know, maybe they don't receive income every two weeks, like someone, mm-hmm. they own a business or their jobs highly based on commission. How does someone like that begin to create a budget when they don't have that? I get paid X amount every single week or every other week. Right. So I have a variable income. You know, my, I do get paid. I do pay myself from my business the same time every month, but Mm -hmm. the amount differs. So for me, I actually have like a savings account that I can pull from. If for some reason I don't meet my lowest amount that I'm usually pay myself, I can supplement my income. So I think it's very important if you have a variable income to have a savings set aside, maybe it's one month or two months of your basic expense. I'm talking electricity, cell phones, you know, minimum debt payments. I'm not talking about housekeepers and restaurants Mm -hmm. and all of the other things. So having money in a savings that if something doesn't go as planned, if you end up making $500 less than what you normally make and what your base, you know, your base number is, then you can pull $500 from that savings account to supplement your income. And then whenever you have more money come in, that is more than your base, you can put that $500 back. So I think it's really important to just have this kind of like, I don't want to, I, I'm, I'm thinking of like a curse word. I don't want to curse out here, but this like, oh, snap fund, right? Yeah. And that you can use to cover yourself. And then also know what is your basic expenses? How much are they? That way, you know, what is the very minimum I need to get by? That way, if anything extra comes, you can send it extra to debt. You can invest. You can, you know, save a little bit more for your vacation. But as long as you know your base number, that'll allow you to just make easier decisions with your money based on facts and not emotions, mm-hmm. because that's a stressful, it's stressful getting paid that way. Yeah. And, and one of the things you're talking about really, I guess the whole point of this episode, when you're talking about budgeting is just relieving stress and giving yourself mm-hmm. the freedom to spend, you know, where you want to, but also relieving the stress. So where when unexpected things come up, yes, they're unexpected and you can't, you know, for sure know when they're going to happen but you're able to pay them off and you're not in this stressful state every time something bad happens because we know bad things are always going to happen. And if you're not prepared for that, then you're just going to be hit with it every single time it happens. And that could happen monthly. And that's, that's just a lot of money stress that, that it's better that people, you know, don't deal with. 
Yes. And and on that note, money stress seeps into all all areas of our life. Mm-hmm. So it's going to affect your relationships. It's going to affect your job. It's going to affect all of these things. So when we can, you know, I'm not saying that relieving your money stress is the magic pill, right? Uh-huh. But relieving your money stress and having control over your money can positively impact other areas of your life as well. For sure, because it's all connected, you know. Exactly. I mean, there's so many stats that show that like the number one cause of divorce is mm-hmm. from money problems, and exactly even with a job, um, you could have and choose a job that you love more if you're in a place financially to be oh able to do so. Yes. You know, there's yeah. so many different things like that where it's all connected in a way that by fixing this one area, it's not going to make your life perfect, but it will improve other areas of your life as well. And that's one of the things I wanted to actually um, talk about next was just like how much money should people be putting towards this stuff? Like their emergency fund, paying off debt, you know, investing Mm -hmm. to be able to improve those other areas of their life. Oh my gosh. I mean, it totally depends on each person's unique situation. Like I think Mm -hmm. back whenever I had two kids in daycare, we were sending 15 or $1,600 a month to daycare. So the amount we could send to these other things was very limited. Now Mm -hmm. my two kids are in elementary school. We don't have those daycare payments anymore. So now we have more freedom in where our money goes. So it definitely depends on your expenses. I would say with your emergency fund, you know, it's important to have at least three months of very basic expenses, just the, just what you need to kind of get by, not Netflix, not Hulu. If you were yep. to lose your job, what is it that you need to live with? And because you can cut out the other stuff and always bring it back, right? We, yeah. Just because you cancel Netflix this month doesn't mean you can't bring it back in two months if you lose your job and we're making tough decisions. So exactly. I would say three months in an emergency fund. And then with debt and investing, I think a lot of it sometimes deals with age. You know, we paid off our debt when we were in our 20s. I think I was 28 whenever we became debt free. So that was rather young. We were still investing in pensions, you know, through our, our work. Yep. So we had investments there and we started investing in Roth IRAs after that. And I almost sometimes look back and say, oh my gosh, I wish I had done a little bit of both. But really, I was doing what I could at the time with what I knew. And I think exactly. that that's okay as well. So when it comes to paying off debt and investing, I think that you can do both at the same time. I think a lot of times it depends on how old we are and, you know, really what our cash flow situation looks like, because it's going to be different for each person. Exactly. You know, building that emergency fund first, you said three months. And I think, I think one of the things you, um, we talked about earlier too, is like, if you have a job that is a little bit more variable, you're a business owner, commission based Mm -hmm. worker, you know, that, emergency fund can be a little bit more, you know, or exactly. And one of the nice things I've actually um, talked to a guest previously about was when your expenses are lower, your emergency fund doesn't have to be as big, you know, and that's one of of the great things is just by Mm -hmm. just by knowing what your expenses are every month that you need, you know, not the Netflix, Mm -hmm. not the extra eating out and that type of stuff. You know what your expenses are there, then you can begin to to build that emergency fund. One of the things with the debt and investing, I'm assuming, you know, you mentioned at the beginning, like when you had young kids, they were in daycare, you know, you, you were both teachers, so you didn't have necessarily these high incomes. Yep. How did you learn to be able to grow that percentage that you're putting towards debt and investing, you know, as you're making more money and as you're kind of going into the future? You know, I think how, how do we learn? We learn by just reading. 
by consuming content that would teach us. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. I mean, I didn't learn about this in school. I didn't have someone sit me down and teach me. I had to, number one, make the choice that I wanted to learn, make the choice that was worth it, make the choice that choose that even though people tell you that this stuff is really, really confusing and you can't do it on your own to say, you know what, I'm going to try and Mm -hmm. make that choice. And then number two, just spend time reading articles, reading books, listening to podcasts like this, consuming information that would help me understand it better. And so that's exactly what, you know, my husband and I both did to where we felt confident making money choices and we felt confident with where we were going with our money. For sure. So before I ask you the last question, um, where can the listeners of this episode, you know, find you? Of course. So if you're listening to this episode, I have my own podcast as well. It's called the Inspire Budget Podcast. You can listen there. You can also find me on Instagram at Inspired Budget, or you can check me out online, inspiredbudget.com. Okay, perfect. So the last question is, why is wealth building important to you specifically? Um, For me, it comes down to choices. It comes down to being able to make choices that, you know, I think a lot of people think, oh, I do want to work until 65 or when I'm in my 60s, this is what I'm going to want to do. And to me, I'm open to the idea that I don't might not know that right now. I might not know what I want because I'm 34. So how do I know what I want in 30 years? But whenever I am able to build wealth and I have money set aside for that time in my life, I have choices and I'm not stuck with a choice I made 30 years prior because I didn't know who I would be at that moment in time. And it also allows me, so it's choices. And then for me, it's my kids. It's knowing that my kids won't have to worry about their mom and dad whenever we're older Mm -hmm. because they aren't going to have to help support us. That's big for me as well. Gotcha. So yeah, it comes back to really what we talked about throughout Mm -hmm. the whole episode is bringing yourself freedom and relieving that stress and having choices in the future. So for everyone listening, trust me, go and follow her on Instagram, listen to her podcast. She has some great episodes and is putting out some amazing content that I engage with a lot and really, really love as well. So make sure you go and follow her. Allison, thank you so much for coming on today's episode. Thanks, Ethan. It was so great. All right. Have a great day. Bye. You too. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening. But before you click off this episode, make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button on this podcast so you never miss an episode when it's released. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you enjoyed what you heard, please consider giving a five-star rating and review. And if you do end up leaving a review, DM me a screenshot on Instagram at RealEthanLang and I'll share it on my story as a thank you. If you have any questions about really anything from this episode or just something that's on your mind, reach out to me on Instagram at RealEthanLang by shooting me a DM and I will make sure to get back to you. If you've made it to this point, I just want to end this episode by saying thank you. Have a great day and hopefully I will see you for next week's episode. The Young Wealth Podcast is hosted by Ethan Lang. The information provided by the host and guest is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. You are responsible for your own money and your own decisions. Information, content, or other materials created by Making Sense of Finance LLC do not constitute a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer by Making Sense of Finance and or any third-party service provider to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments.